Hello, and welcome to episode nine of the High Side News podcast. Today's podcast is being recorded at 10.35 on the 19th of April. Over the weekend, we had the third round of the MotoGP Championship, which once again gave us a surprise race winner in the main event. Joining me once again to talk to you all about another weekend of awesome MotoGP racing is Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Jack, I hope you're well, mate. Uh, MotoGP was back again and in Kota. What did you think of the four races that we got across the weekend? Uh, they were the kind of races I expected. However, the winners I did not expect at all. Hmm. Uh, Dawn, I hope you're good as well. What did you make of the racing at Kota? Because it really did throw in, like Jack just said, some surprise results that we didn't expect. Yeah, definitely. It was good racing, um, but I was I think I was most shocked about the Moto3 race. It was quite quiet, really, on their standards, but I think the weather played a part on there. There was a big tailwind across the circuit, which didn't enable so much slipstream and effect for the riders. So until I'd probably say the final two laps, it was quite a quiet race, really, not what we're used to, but still very good racing. Mm. We'll get on to the Moto3 race a little bit later on, because that race did give us a surprise, uh, surprise race winner, who after turn one really you wouldn't have expected to win the race but uh let's go straight into the the moto gp race uh we'll go straight to the sprint race which gave us sort of a result i guess you could say you'd expect really from the rider that won it which was peko bangaya once again came through dominant race victory really by peko standards one by 2.5 seconds the man in second place going into the weekend he is a previous winner at the circuit, but I can't say I expected him to do so well since he's moved manufacturers. That was Alex Rins. LCR Honda rider, second place in the sprint race. We'll talk about his result in the feature race in a little while. Jack, what did you make of Rins before the weekend? Did you think we'd see him up on the podium uh, in the sprint or in, even in the, the feature race? No. Um <laughs> I expected him to be the top 10, maybe able to push a top five, but not a period. We didn't see it that coming at all. Even with the Honda's history and Rins's history at the circuit, it was like, that bike's just not good enough to simply get on the podium. But I guess uh, he proved us wrong. He really did. Uh, Dawn, what did you make of, of Peko? Because once again, really, in the, the sprint race, it was perfect Peko again from what we saw at Portimao. Oh, definitely. He started the weekend how we meant to, well, supposedly meant to finish it, but very strong performance in the sprint race. He controlled it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there were there were some other results just looking through that I guess surprised me, and I, I don't know if I'm I'm wrong in saying I was surprised, but Jack Alicia Spargo in fourth in the sprint race. Not a track that historically I don't think Alicia's done very well at. It's sort of, I think he referred to it as his kryptonite to the press over the weekend, and a fourth in the sprint. I think I think he would take a, a fourth in the sprint race. Do, do you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, he was fighting for the podium positions for the whole race, and I don't think he's ever even been in the top ten, maybe at this circuit before, something like that. So, for him to be fighting for the podiums at a circuit where in the past he's done absolutely terrible, shows what a good job himself and the Aprilia team are doing. I'm just having a look now. What what his best result has been in America, and he has had an eighth place once at Kota on a Suzuki in 2015. That's his best result, and then he upped it to fourth. Um, yeah, good result from Alicia in a sprint. Um, again, Dawn, I'm looking at sixth and seventh with the VR46 boys. Maybe a little bit quiet for their standards from how they had been in in Argentina, but once again. Solid points from the two of them, and both of them again having overall good weekends. Yes, definitely. I suppose, like, I think we all perhaps expected Bezeki perhaps to be a little bit further higher up with how he was the round before, but yeah, it's a steady performance in this race. Hmm. Uh, both factory KTM scoring points, Jack. Uh, Jack Miller and Brad Binder, fifth for Brad and ninth for Jack Miller. I expected a little bit more from Jack in the sprint race. Um, again, I, I Binder surprises me in these sprint races. I don't think he's going to do very well, and then he just appears, and I'm I'm shocked every time. Is that sort of unfair for for Binder for me to be shocked when I I see him so far up the list? I mean, it's all just what Brad Binder does. He just goes under the radar, and he's like, oh, he's fifth. Oh, okay. <laughs> but 
Um, and then Miller, I think after crashing at that point four or five times in the weekend, I think it was just natural that he wasn't going to be as fast as he could have been. But he still picked up a point, so it's it's what you, the the what they need. So it was a it was a okay sprint race for the KTM guys, especially compared to last season where I don't think he, he picked up a single point. So yeah, I mean massive steps forward for for them. Yeah, uh, you just mentioned that at the top nine only score points in in sprint races, and one man who didn't score points in the sprint race was Fabio Quattararo. Crashed out, did rejoin, finished nineteenth, only ahead of Jonas Folger. Dawn, Fabio's weekend didn't start very well. It did change fortunes in uh, in the later race on the Sunday, but his sprint race not really again how him or Yamaha would want the season to to have been going up to that point. No, definitely not. And I think even before the start of the race, you just sort of feel that it's not going to get anywhere or do anything. And, and the reaction from inside the garage once he crashed, I think it was his uh, friend who's like his sidekick, whatever, he sort of stopped off, threw his headphones off. So you can just tell the atmosphere in the garage, something really needs to change there. Yeah, it did seem tense is probably the the best way to put the atmosphere between maybe the crew and Fabio at the moment. And you see him coming back into the garage, helmet still on, visor down. And that's been a shot we've seen a few times this season for Fabio. And yeah, he's up to that point. It hadn't been going well for him. Alex Marquez crashed out the sprint race as well. Uh, Wasn't feeling well over the weekend. Um, His poor health was the reason that he believes he crashed out and I'll leave it there before going into any more details on uh, what happened shortly before he crashed out of the race. But um, hopefully Alex will be better when we return to Europe, but uh, not a great start for him. Um, If we move over to the feature race at this point and really the two championship contenders from last year in the sprint had different fortunes, Quattararo 19th, Pecco winning. You could say the roles reversed in the main race where the big points are given out. Fabio Quattararo got his first podium of the year with a third place at Cota. Very impressive ride. Jack, what did you think of, of Fabio's uh, third place in his first podium of the year? Which I, I didn't think it was, but yeah, it it sounds wild to say. Yeah, um, I think Fabio learned from the race before and he just went... He just decided he's just going to ride to the limit of that Yamaha and just not go over it and see what happens. And fortunately for him, it was one of those races where everybody seems to fall off because of the conditions of the track and the weather and everything. So he picked up all the pieces possible. When I saw that he had a an actual gap to close down, I was like, okay, this is where Fabio's going to show off his race pace and he's going to close in on Rins and whatever. But then... It turned out that wasn't even the case. He couldn't keep up with Rins or Luca. But I think just to get a podium, I think, is a relief to Fabio and the Yamaha team. And you know, that's now that's only their third top five, including feature races and sprint races with Frankie as well. So they've definitely got some work to do, but it's definitely in the right direction. And now they're going to Jerez, which Yamaha's notoriously good at, Fabio's notoriously good at. So hopefully they can start getting their podiums and hopefully a first race one of the season if it's possible. Yeah, I'll ask you this um, now, Jack. So only 13 riders finished the race. Do you think, obviously Fabio stayed on, so you know that's, that's a good ride compared to how the others have done. But do you think maybe the podium was a little bit lucky or obviously, you know, he had to stay on for it to be, you know, his, but not really where the bike should have been, do you think, or...? I think he would have got top five, but I think had those in front of him not fall, or those behind him at the start not fall, I don't think he would have got the podium. Yeah, because you look at some of the names you fell, and I'll leave one for a moment, but Alex Marquez crashed. Uh, Alicia Spargro, um, well, Alex Marquez got taken out, actually. Alicia Spargro, did he crash out on the first lap as well? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jorge Martin crashed and took out Alex Marquez on the first lap. Miller crashed, uh, Joan Mir, Takahaki Nakagami, and the big one, and I'm going to go for, to you for this, Dawn. Peko Bangaya crashed out of the race lead 
He was being pressured by the eventual race winner, Alex Rins, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the reigning champion with the number one plate crashed out again, uh, like last time out in Argentina. Are we going to see Peko start to crumble now? Or do you think these two races have just been one-offs? I'd really like to think they've just been one-offs because uh, when Peko spoke after the race, he did say he didn't do anything wrong and they've really got to get the data and just see what's happening. Um, Because he did look in control and you can know that Peko wouldn't have been phased, I don't think, by Rins creeping in behind him um, because he was setting the pace to the race. But it just seems like he's on the bike one minute, boom, he's off the next. And to me, it didn't look like he did anything wrong. So they really need to perhaps see if work on any data or whatever to on the bike to see if they can change anything. Yeah, Pecco has been harsh on himself before in the past when he's made mistakes and uh, he normally fully takes responsibility for him. And Jack, I don't know if you saw his, his race interview after, but it was really, I thought, strange. He, he ended up blaming the bike, which a lot of people... Uh, maybe don't completely understand why he would be and he complained that the bike had too much grip for his liking. What did you make of his comments where the Ducati clearly is the best bike on the grid and he's now saying that it was the bike's fault that he he crashed out of the race? Yeah, well, when you have two crashes back-to-back in a race and you've come off and you have no idea why you've crashed, it's all hard to, to blame yourself, really. I think in that sense, because it's like, well, I've not changed anything, so why is it my fault? And that's what the data proved in Termas. So, I don't know, obviously they'll probably explain what the data says in Austin, but uh, I think it's just one of those where it's just unlucky, the track it was naturally low grip, and I think maybe if you not just the bike is giving the wrong sensation at the wrong time, who knows, but um, I don't think Pekka will let him affect him, because I think You'll go to a ref, you won their last season. I think when we get to Europe, you'll start back to normal, let's say. Despite the fact you did win the sprint race, but I think you'll just be back to normal. You'll keep a cool head. Maybe in the actual long race, you'll take it just a tiny bit more cautious to make sure he gets to the end. But I don't think you'll let it affect him because you'll just, I think you'll go and I think you'll take the same approach you took at the second half of last season and just make sure he finishes matter where he is yeah you've just really answered a question that i was just about to ask as well we're coming into the run of european races now uh Jaref, Le Mans, Mugello, um saxon ring assen all tracks that the pecker will know well especially Mugello being a, a home race uh tracks that he's done well at before in the past i'll ask you this dawn since, since jack's given his opinion on it just then um the run back in europe now should we see Peko back winning races, getting podiums, or do you think mistakes might creep in again? No, I, th- I think he'll be more determined than ever to correct everything and do a good, solid performance. And as well, I don't think he's got the pressure on him that somebody, when he's crashed out and scored no points, nobody's exactly running away with the championship like sort of Fabio did a little bit last year or the year before. He hasn't got that pressure now different people are winning these main races so he isn't too far behind going into the next round so there's that little bit of pressure not on him I think so no I think he'll dust himself off and prove to the champion that he is yeah uh Pekka is now 11 points behind Marco Bezzecchi in the championship he is still second and uh I'll agree with you both I think the European races is where Pekka is going to come on strong now and most likely win a couple more races especially at um Jaref Lamont and Mugello, I could see him doing well at. Um, we'll move on to the race winner because, Jack, you've said already, we sort of expected a top 10, maybe a top 5. Got a podium in the sprint race, second place, and then went and won the the main race. And I'll start this off by saying, Alex Rins is a great rider. We've seen that at Suzuki at the end of last season. He's in, He's... One, you know, he's taken that bike and he was winning races when Mia was struggling, and now he's jumped on a Honda, and he's got a podium in a sprint race and a race win at Kota. Yes, he goes really well at Kota. Mark's gone really well at Kota before in the past on a Honda, but that Honda's not a good bike. 
you can see that from where the others, the other Hondas were. I mean, none of the other Hondas even finished the main race. And yes, one of them was Bradle, who does like a crash. But Joan Mir was going well at points in the weekend as well, and you thought that points could be on for him. And and Jack, Honda's situation, definitely bad overall. But Alex Rins has just given them some hope, would you say? Yeah, but the problem is, um, when they've studied the data, it turns out the reason why Rins is so fast is he's somehow riding the Honda like a Suzuki. So he's he's taking a massive amount of corner speed whilst also able to punch the bike out the corners and brake late at the same time. So it's all like a marker situation where they're looking at the data and the riders aren't understanding how it's possible with what he's doing. So he's like, through the last sector, all you need is corner speed and Rins was somehow on a V4 taking more corner speed than anybody else. So it's a bit of a conundrum, I think. Maybe Rins was also helped by the fact the track has such a lack of grip and the Honda's got such a lack of grip anyway it sort of levelled it out and brought them more forwards. So we get to RF where the track might be a bit more grippy. We might see him back to the bottom side of the top 10. But if he's riding the bike like a, a Suzuki and making it work, then, you know, it could be interesting to see how he gets on in the other low-grip circuits. Yeah, I was going to say to you, uh, coming a bit like Paco, really, coming into Europe now, uh, some grippier circuits, because uh, I'll, I'll say it, Kota's... Kota was bad this weekend when you look at the track surface and everything it it, it was poor so you go to tracks like uh, Le Mans, Jerez, Mugello where the grip will probably be be better on the surface are we all expecting Rins to be back um what fighting for top 10s at, at best maybe for for the next couple of rounds Jack what are you thinking on that yeah I think maybe you know I've no doubt he could, he's got a time to get a top five a lucky podium if something like I said you have a similar race to Austin, but I don't think we'll be seeing him out and out fighting for the podium in these races. But if he is, it'll be a welcome surprise, and I'll be happy to see Rins trying to get himself and the LCR team to the top of the championship because now he's third, which I can't believe. Him. I can't believe, can't believe he's. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that, and I just in the the championship when I was saying about where Pecco was, and Rins is only six points behind Pecco, and that is not some place I'd think I'd see. Rins after three races, uh, after three rounds this season. Sorry, um, Dawn, your thoughts on Rins, Rins' main race and the win and the, the other podium that I don't think any of us expected. And what do you expect from Rins going forward now in in these European races? Yeah, it was really good to see, especially for that team. Um, they, they really work hard, and they probably don't get the results that they really deserve. But like you say, nobody expected. Um, so Alex wins to win the race. Um, and like Jack says, you wouldn't really expect going into the next round a win, but you, you just don't know. Like you say, anything can happen, riders in front of him, but I'd probably say a comfortable inside the top 10 finish for the next couple of rounds. He'll have the confidence now, that's for sure, going into these these next couple of rounds. Yeah. Um, does well at Cota, though. We've said that before, and hopefully it will continue. And it was good for LCR because... Um, Lucio runs the team, Lucio Ciccinello. Seems like one of the nicest guys in the paddock. Comes across really well in interviews. Um, and I think they might have been the team who hadn't won a race for the longest time that were currently there. With Cal Crutchlow last time in, what was it, 2018 in Argentina? When he led the championship after that race as well. And I don't think anyone really expected that at the time either. So it was good to see LCR back up there because they've had some some rough years since since 2018. Um, yeah, Rins, the standout performer, definitely. Pekka Menyaya, crashing out, definitely the underperformer of the weekend. Luca Marini got his first MotoGP podium, and I think we'd all be happy to see that. Uh, another VR46 rider on the podium. Uh, I did think he was going to catch Rins at certain points. The gap kept going up and down, and then Rins just sort of went for it at the end. It looked like... Jack, Luca Marini on the podium in MotoGP. Something we've had to wait a while for, but he is a slow burner. Something you expected this season? Oh, yeah. I, I, it was just like a matter of time, in my opinion, for the podium. We saw his first year, he took it very slowly. His second year, he was stopping, you know, he was getting a couple of top fives, whatever. And I thought this year he'll step up even further. And he's, you know, he's got his first podium. And now I think he'll be searching for that first win. 
where that will come, I don't know. Maybe Magello or something like that. But I think he'll be. He saw Bez win, and I think he's gone right. Bez has won. It's time for me mm-hmm. to start getting the same results. It was a bit unlucky in the sprint race to get all crossed up at turn one because I think if that didn't happen, he probably would have finished third. So I think now Luca is in a good place. He used to use his size to his advantage for the circuit, and now I think he's going to try and get further up the grid and try and uh, get get that first victory. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be far away either. And if it happens at Mugello, then that would be the perfect place. It'd be poetic if uh, Luca could win at Mugello. Um, Dawn, now that he's got his first podium, do you think they're just going to keep coming now? Do you think podiums are going to be a regular thing for Luca Marini? Yes, definitely. And he just comes across as such an intelligent rider. He knows what he's doing. And like Jack said, he took last year just to learn it, everything under his belt. I think that both of those two riders now, that it'll be a shock if one of them isn't on the podium in either of the two races over the weekend. Very strong team for this year. Yeah, his uh, his teammate Marco Bezzecchi finished sixth place. So again, a decent result for Bears. Picked up some good points when Pecco failed to score any. Um, should look for the other good results. Vinales in fourth. Um, feel like he didn't have a great start to the race. I can't quite remember where he was after lap one. Um, Miguel Oliveira in fifth. Good result for him on his return to MotoGP racing after being taken out at his home round. Zarco in seventh. I expected a little bit more from Zarco. Maybe the lack of grip didn't help him out. Franco Morbidelli in eighth. Was definitely helped out by the crashes in front of him. Same with Digian Antonio, who finished ninth. The rookie this season, Augusto Fernandez, finished tenth place, so that was a decent result for Gas Gas. Jonas Folger also scored points on his return to MotoGP. Was definitely helped out by the crashes, but it was good to see Folger picking up some points. Same with Piro and Brad Binder as well, who crashed in and rejoined and still finished thirteenth and picked up three points. So an interesting race all round, I think, from the MotoGP point of view. And same with the Moto2, really, because one of, well, the person who I said w- was going to win the race didn't even make the race start. And that was something that has caused controversy on social media with people talking about him and his ability. I'm talking about Jake Dixon. And if somehow you haven't seen it on social media or haven't watched the race yet, Jake didn't make the race start crashed out on the warm-up lap and a lot of people have been given unnecessary criticism to Jake when we know that he is he's a decent rider he's had podiums in Moto2 before yet to get that race win and we know he could be up there and probably should have been up there at Kota Jack has he said any more since or has the team said anything more because you hear no he's just, just he's just replied to people about the comments they've made but apart from that they've Get pretty quiet. Because when he came into the pit box, you could hear him saying that he just sort of opened the throttle. And I think it was in turn nine, was it? Going up the hill out of the, the S section. He um he opened the throttle and the rear just seemed to, to go on him and flick him flick him off the bike pretty much. It was hard luck for Jake. Um, Dawn, what did you make seeing it on TV? Because you just see him stood trackside with sort of looking really confused. Oh, yeah, it, it was awful because, like, as a British fan, you, you know, your hopes and you really thought he could possibly got his first race win, but, oh, he'd have definitely been on the podium. And he just didn't seem to know what had happened either. And then the interview after, he, again, he didn't blame himself. He just says, we've got to look at the data. You know, he, he's not an idiot. So it's a shame, really, he got the backlash he did, really. Let's hope that he can put it all behind him for the next round. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he deserved the backlash because the same thing happened in Moto Three to another British rider as well. And from what I've seen, they haven't experienced the same backlash. So I don't know why there was this sort of thing against Jake Dixon, if that makes sense. Um, moving up to the other end of of good luck throughout the race, and Pedro Acosta taking another race win in Moto Two, really sort of stamping his authority on the championship did have the battle for it though with Tony Arbolino who stuck with him the whole race and was only 0.1 seconds behind him when they crossed the line Jack will go to you for this Pedro Acosta another good race win really in 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 Cota I I I still thought even though Tony was there that Pedro was was gonna win the race 
What did you think? Are you watching that? Yeah, yeah. He, he got a bit unlucky at one point because he had a, the, one of the false neutrals that quite a few people had into turn twelve, but he didn't let that affect him, and he just sat behind Arbolino, understood where he was strong, and attacked on the last lap and held him off to take his second win, his first ever win at Gota. Yeah, he's now second in the championship, seven points behind Arbolino. I expect that to change after Haref. I, I, I think. Acosta's going to do well there. Um, did you think he'd be leading the championship at this point, or did you think about top three would be where he'd be at this point? And you'd be inside the top three. I just didn't know how he'd fare. I thought he'd just get two podiums at Termas at Coast. I didn't think he'd have enough to win, but after his wet race at Termas, I think that's the only, the only reason why he's not leading it. But to be second in the championship and seven points behind, it's, uh, it's not too bad. Hmm. Dawn, what have you made of... Uh... Tony Abellino's season so far because he's one that I didn't expect to start as well as he has and he's leading the championship and surprised me, that's for sure. Yeah, I didn't expect that either, but he's just proven to be such a strong rider and that was a great battle between the two of them. Um, yeah, really strong and he's a force for the championship for sure. I think it'll come down to Acosta and Tony definitely this year. Yeah. Those two will, will hopefully battle all the way through the season for this championship and hopefully it will give us some more good racing like they had at Cota. Uh, Jack, Bo Schneider on the podium again. First time in a long time, I think, for Bo to pick up a podium. Um, I like Bo Schneider. I was happy to see him up on the podium. What did you make of, of his race? Because he was one like Binder who just seemed to come out of nowhere, really. Yeah, I think he really benefited a lot from the battle that was going on for third place because I saw those loads of... Like, it's like Aldeguer. I thought, since I saw him come out of turn 12, I'm like, OK, nice, Aldeguer's going to get his first podium he's going to get his confidence up. And then all of a sudden I see Canitz is centre on him and then and then Alonso Lopez is battling and sees like Bo just seemed to pick up all the pieces of everyone fighting and helped smart at them all and just picked up the third place and that's, I think that's the first time that team's got a podium since maybe Remy won in Portimao 2020. Yeah, that is, that is a good point. Yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, the, a good result for Bo definitely and uh, a tough weekend for him because I think he had personal issues going on with um, his his grandfather had just died. So a, a good result for, for what he was dealing with. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the battle for third and there was quite a lot of them all there scrapping for it. Both the Grassini bikes of Alcoba and Salach, uh, both the speed-up bikes of Aldeguer and Lopez, and Aaron Kanat, who really will go to Kanat because, Dawn, I expected more from Kanat this weekend. And I think, I can't remember who, but one of us picked Kanat as the race winner for this week. Jack, was it you that... That's... Yeah. Mm. So, Dawn, what did you make of, of Kanat's race? Because it wasn't what we expected no, definitely. Like you say, he started off pretty strong and was battling for second, third place. And he just seemed to drop off with the pace and, and go backwards. Not where you expect to see him, really. You definitely expect him to be a podium finisher. And you just think, when is he going to get this win? So I think he needs to sort of go back to the drawing board and to see what he can do for the next round. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that win's still escaping him. And... Hopefully, hopefully, there's still a long way to go this season. So hopefully, it is it is going to happen. I was just looking through our predictions because I forgot about them during the MotoGP. Uh, during our talk about them, um, so far, none of us got anything right. Um, <laughs> we're doing well at the moment. Dawn, you've been the closest so far with Arbelino with Moto Two. You said he'd win, but yeah. Dixon didn't start. That was my choice. Canet finished. Eight for Jack, and then in the sprint race, you both went for Martin, and I went. Oh wait, I did get one right. I said Paco for the sprint race, so I have got one right. <laughs> and then the main race, me and Jack went Bez, and Dawn, you went for Paco. So yeah. so far, we got one. <laughs> We're doing well at the moment on that front. Um, we'll talk about the other British riders now. We'll go straight on to them. Sam Lowe's. Jack, I was disappointed with Sam. It's a circuit where he's done well before and a 13th place doesn't show what we know Sam Lowe's can do at Kota. What did you make of his weekend, really? Well, I think it was looking really good until qualifying when he hit the kerb and crashed on his first lap. So 
I think that really hampered him because mm-hmm. signing 18th and then by the time, if he did have any pace, by the time he would have got to the front of a, of a group, the gap was going to be big anyway. So, well, I think for Sam, it's just it's a bit of a strange one because he's not injured. I think he's just making a couple of mistakes in the wrong time. And oh, we can see Arbolino, we, we see what Arbolino's doing, and I've no doubt that Sam can match Arbolino. So, I think it's just going to be go to a ref and other circuits won it before and just try and iron out those mistakes and make sure that he just in qualifying he just gets on that front those front two rows trying to have a good start and try and fight for a podium because he he can definitely get the podium he's won at Haref he's at podiums past couple of seasons so there's no reason why he can't um, fight for that top three let's hope he can because so far this season for Sam it's, it's not going well and looking towards the future he's not getting any younger and it's not looking great for the future for Sam in Moto2. He's 11th in the championship, only just above Ben Schneider and just below Arenas. And I don't know how long it'll be until Mark VDS team start looking for maybe a younger person to come in and, and maybe take Sam's position, especially where Arbelino in a year or two could be off to MotoGP, the way that he's showing his, his ability in Moto2. So... Yeah, it's it's not looking great for Sam. But um, Dawn, on another front, Rory Skinner had his best result in Moto2 so far with a 19th place. I thought Skinner did really well, had a solid weekend all round. What did you make of, of Skinner's performance? Yes, very, very well done to, to Rory for that. He's doing everything right and everything he needs to do. And when you see him in any interviews, he's so happy. And you can just tell he's living the dream. But he's also doing everything he needs to do. He's staying on the bike. You know, he's learning. Yeah, I think he's got a promising future in Moto2. Yeah, he he just looks happy to be there whenever you see him in interviews. And that really comes across. And he's in a good team. Hopkins is his manager, John Hopkins. John Hopkins works in the team. So, you know, he's he's got that mentor figure alongside him. And he was one place behind Sean Dillon Kelly, his teammate at Sean Dillon Kelly's home race so I, I'd say that's a, a good result for, for Skinner I w- was sort of hoping he'd beat SDK in the race because I thought that would be a, a good result for him but you know we'll, we'll take the 19th step so far and hopefully points will be will be on the way in Europe potentially especially at Haref for track which I believe you know well um, let's move over to, to Moto3 and Jack I'll go, I'll go straight to you for this one because it was a surprise winner um, Ortola started a race was looking well was running the, in the group for, for a podium going down the hill on lap one out of turn one had a massive moment don't know how he stayed on the bike that's for sure um, dropped back to about 21st and then just scrapped his way through was setting fastest laps every other lap pretty much and won the race it was a surprise definitely what, what, what did you make seeing or Tolo carve his way through the field like that. Yeah, it was like um, Sasaki last season mm-hmm. when he had the two long laps, or when Brad Bender started from last at the ref. It was just one of those moments where Yellow yeah, just became possessed or something, but <laughs> he became really fast and just this, and saying fastest lap after fastest lap, carving his way through the field. And I think he just got onto the back of the group at the right time before it all broke up and then. I think he definitely used his size with advantage in the MTA team. Of uh, I think they've won races before in junior GP, so they're a solid team. And he just did the perfect race, benefited a lot from Sasaki and Messias, um incident. And had Messias not been held up, I think he might have actually won the race. But uh, totally did. he was in the right place at the right time. He planned everything out correctly and good, a great way to get your first win. I think that might be, is that his first podium as well, Em? Moto three, yeah. yeah. So he skipped yeah. third and second straight up to a race win. Can't blame him. I think he was my dark horse for the season as well. So a good start for. Uh, he hadn't had a good results in the first couple races. No, he hadn't scored a point until until Kota. So that's one hell of a way to score your first points of the season by by winning the race and in that style as well. Um, Dawn, what did you make of? Jaume Massier and Artagas, who made up the podium second and third, both solid Moto3 riders. Artagas 
really showing his stuff now as well. And Masi, an experienced Moto3 rider at this point, an all-Spanish podium. What did you make of the Leopard and CF Moto man? Yeah, very good. And it's where we really expect them to be. And uh, I think Samizia has had a bit of a quiet start, really. And they keep on about that he's been in some brilliant teams over this, the years. Um, and he just can't quite do it. So perhaps he's settled into this team now and uh, got the bit between his teeth and is showing what he can do. Yeah, we spoke about it at the start of the season. Um, Massey has been in the IO team. He's been in the Leopard team before. And it's just never really clicked for him. And hopefully this will be the year he's fourth in the championship, uh, 18 points behind Holgado, who currently leads the way. And hopefully this will be a year it all clicks for Messier and he can actually put together a solid championship challenge that we haven't seen from him before. Um, Jack, Diogo Moreira, Danny Holgado, definitely two of the, the standout riders this season for me. Fourth and fifth for them. You're from now, I think you sort of expect to see them in the podium battling group, which is where they were, both of them off of it. But they're having a great start to the season, really. Two young guns in Moto 3, two promising young riders. What have you made of, of their American Grand Prix and their start to the season? Yeah, I mean, it, I think just that, maybe that little bit lack of experience could have stopped them from fully getting the podium. But uh, I think it was. You know, they've done, they've, done, they've both done a solid job in the first three races, top five every single uh, race. You can't really ask for much more than that from the pair of them. They're both in their second season and they're just pointing in the solid results. If they can't get the podium, they're making sure they're inside that top five. So I think it bodes well for the rest of the season. I think Europe is going to get a little bit harder because you're going to have more people who are going to be more competitive. And that's when you get the real talent and you see who is going to be the strongest. But I would not be surprised in the slightest if those two are the constant names in the top five, top six in every single race this season. Yeah, they're definitely impressing. And I think they're impressing everyone, not just us. Um, I was going to skip Dennis on you because really for him it was a quiet race. But then I've just seen you both had him down as race winner. So we're going to talk about Dennis on you and his start to the season because I've also just seen where he is in the standings. Dennis is 13th. He finished 6th in Cota. He's 13th in the standings, three points ahead of Scott Ogden. And I didn't expect to see Dennis that low this season. He's really had a poor start to the season. I think there's, there's no other way of putting it. It's not been great for the Turkish rider. Dawn, what have you made of, of Dennis so far? Because that means other than at Cota, he scored three points in the opening two races. So it's not been a great start to 2023 for Dennis has it no it's been really disappointing and I, I sort of kept saying he's my favorite to win um but it was almost watching the race on Sunday was, you forgot about him and then he suddenly thought oh well, where's on to he just didn't seem to be able to get into that front group at all this weekend whether it was anything to do with the weather and the, the slip streaming but no he's had a very disappointing start he won't be happy at all, I think, with that. Yeah, 9.4 seconds off the race winner by the end of it. Really not where you'd expect to see on you, Jack. Do you think there's any more to it? Maybe his, his switch to the IO team? Because I think everyone expected that to make, you know, that be that extra step for on you. Or do you think maybe it's more pressure added on to Onchu now? Yeah, well, when you go in the IO team, it's either you do really well or you have an absolute disaster, it seems like. It's, it, there's no end of the specs, just you're on one side or the other. But on to Portimao, he probably could have won if he didn't um, stall it at the start, where what the problem was. In Termas, he was the, clearly the fastest rider until he dumped his. And then in Koto, he just seemed to get unlucky with his qual. He didn't have a great qualifying, and then he probably got to the front of the group, but he probably couldn't have any chance of getting to the, the, the top group. But if he got sick, I think that probably was the top of the group, so that's the best he could have hoped for. But I think he come to Europe and he he led a lot of laps there last season. He nearly won it before getting overtaken by Guevara around the outside. And he led loads of laps the year before, before he knocked a load of people off. But I think Jerez will see, if Onchu, Onchu should be strong, he should be leading laps. And then I think that's where we'll see where Onchu sort of is and how he's fitting into the IO team because he, I imagine it would be pretty difficult having Rawada next to him because he's sort of going to be the next mm. Spanish talent, you feel like, who is going to be 
go through the ranks quite quickly. So I think you just got to, it's going to be important for onto these next few races to pick up some solid results and try and get his championship rolling. Cause it's not over, you know, Guevara, he didn't start winning or get, get many points until this point last season. So can't see why Onchi um, can't start getting some important victories and podium results. Yeah, he could just start blitzing everyone from this point on in the season. Now it's just, again, the European races. It's always the, especially Kota uh, and Termas. I was going to say Qatar, but we haven't had that yet. That's been moved to later on in the season. Those two races always throw up weird results. And then you get back to normality almost in, in Europe. And I think that will settle in for a lot of riders now who, who know those circuits really well. Um, Dawn, I'll go to you and we'll talk about Scott Ogden. More points for Scott. Uh, 14th place around Kota. Sort of what I expected from Scott, maybe a little bit further up the order. But points again is just sort of what you'd expect from Scott or did you expect maybe a little bit more? Yeah, like you say, he scored two points. It's two that could be two valuable points. I'm sure he would have liked to have been a bit further up the order, but he didn't seem to have a sort of a sharp start to the weekend. But again, he, he's doing everything he needs to do. Um and I look forward to seeing what he can do in the next round and I think he'll be hoping to sneak into that top ten for definite. Yeah, he was battling with Ricardo Rossi as well, who isn't a slow motor free rider. We've seen him do really well before in the past. So you know, keeping good company uh, while battling for points. Um, Jack, Josh Watley, a bit like Jake Dixon, didn't make the start uh, in the Moto3 race, crashed out on the warm-up lap. Hasn't received the same sort of backlash as Jake has. Um, have you seen anything from the team about Josh's fall or anything from Josh, or has it just been a bit sort of... I've seen nothing. It's been very quiet, hasn't mm. it? Yeah. I've gone under the rug and nothing's happened. Yeah, it's, again, only a second year in the class. Still very young. Sort of mistakes will creep in. Um, what would you have expected from Josh, say, if he had made the start? Um, Somewhere in the 20s, probably. Yeah, it, it's been a, a rough one for Josh other than Termas, where he did score points. So, you know, the, the, the talent's there, definitely. But... Really, for those two Brits, it wasn't where you'd want them to be, really, and what you'd want them to experience when you know they can score points and in Jake's situation, win races or get podiums. But hopefully things will change. Back to Europe again. Tracks he'll know from his junior days. So let's keep our fingers crossed to both Scott and Josh uh, looking ahead to the season. Uh, just look at the championship. Who's leading that now? Daniel Holgado, joint on points with... Marrera. So, Jack, you said about it. They're going to be the two that you expect to be in the top six every race from now. So, I think those two are going to be the ones who, who challenge for it, definitely. Um, Let's look ahead to this weekend. World Superbikes at Assen. It's good to have World Superbikes coming back. We haven't had them since early March, I don't think, in Mandalika, where... Bautista continued his his dominance and still leads the championship. But one man I want to talk about straight away first, British rider Brad Ray, making his appearance in World Superbikes first time this season. Only doing the European rounds with his with his team. Jack, excited to see the the reigning British Superbike champion in uh, World Superbikes. Yeah, it's a you know it's a track he finds it's one of the tracks he knows to start off with, so it's would be good would be a good place to know where he actually stands, given his experience at Aston and Super in British Super Sport and Superbike and then hopefully he can pull out if 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 we can somehow get a top ten, I think that'd be a great start. But obviously he won't have the full data compared to other guys of being in a full race and a sprint race and a feature race. And you know, he's just gonna be the first who's probably gonna use an SCQ tire <coughs> and all these development tires that they, they have during the weekend, but I think he'll do okay. I think if he can just score points this weekend, I think that'll be the, just a good way to start. And hopefully he can build from where he finishes this weekend and try and get inside that top 10 more frequently as the season goes on. Has he been testing at Assen? No, he, he's been testing at, he tested at Aragon. Right. And, and Catalonia, I don't think he's tested at Assen. Right. 
because obviously it's it's going to be a big step. And we, I think we've said about him earlier on in the season when we looked at where he'd, uh, you know, where he's going to be roughly in World Superbikes. And I think it's going to be potentially a little bit of a rough opening weekend for Brad. He's been to Aston before, British Superbikes in the past. Um, Dawn, what do you expect from Brad this weekend? Obviously, the three races, the two long races, the sprint race, what sort of position would you say would be a good result for, for Ray? If he could sort of get, I'd say, 11th or 12th, just edging on the top 10, I think he'd be very pleased with that. And just to, like you say, just to score some points, valuable points. And hopefully, like Jack said, the track knowledge he's got from there will come into play. But we, we don't know what spec really his bike's going to be, um, probably against all the others. So it'll just be really interesting to see. Very excited to, to watch him this weekend. Yeah, I'd say points in both the, the full-length races would be great for Brad. If he can get a top 10, then that would be an outstanding result, I'd say, for, for his opening race in World Superbikes. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, going around Assen this weekend. And definitely... The, the rider that I'm most excited for this season, I think, in, in World Superbikes. So hopefully from now and the rest of these European races that he will be taking part in, points will be sort of the aim for Brad. And a, a couple of top tens, I think, this season will be very nice for him. And let's see what he can do at Donington later on in the season as well. That's one that I am excited for. Yeah, that'll be exciting, Donington. The, the main World Superbike riders, though, you know, the ones that we have been looking at, and I'm going to go straight to Jonathan Ray. Because, Jack, I think earlier on this season, I think after Mandalika, you said you'd, you'd say it's a worrying time for Jonathan if he's not on the podium at Assen. Are you still standing by that for that statement of maybe things aren't def- aren't going well at Kawasaki if Jonathan's off the podium at Assen? Yeah, I mean, Assen, it's, sort of, it's like Tom Sachs and Donington. He, he's, he won eight races in a row there. He's won 15, I think. 15 or 17 races at that circuit so if he's not fighting for race wins and podiums there then you know there's something wrong with that Kawasaki so I think we will be to see what happens and my expectation is it's going to be like a bit like last season you have Toprak, Ray and Bautista will fight at the front I think it's going to be about containing Bautista and not letting him lead more than a couple of laps because I think if he leads a couple of laps he'll leave him for dust so I think um, that's what the races are going to be like. But as part, maybe the sprint race will be a bit more easy for them. But I think in the long race, it's all going to be about holding off Bautista as long as possible. See, World Superbikes put it on their social media again recently. And that's what made me think about it. They tried that last year. It didn't work very well. They took each other out. And uh, and uh, Top Rack and Jonathan, that is. I don't think World Superbikes actually caught an angle of that. Of, rather than the onboards of, of each rider. But um, hopefully it doesn't happen this weekend. Uh, Dawn, Jonathan Ray, it's not been a great start to the year. It's, I think he's he's only had one podium so far this season, and that was the opening race at Phillip Island. Yeah, only one podium to his name so far. Sixth in the championship standings, way behind Bautista on points. Bautista's on 112, Jonathan's on 44. Going into Aston, do you expect this to be a place where Jonathan can claw in points on like Locatelli, Bassani and Rinaldi, who are also above him in the championship? Yes, definitely. I mean, if Jonathan can't bring uh, a win together, you definitely expect him to be second or third and finishing on the podium. And like you say, if he's not, then I think his championship fight's over. This is definitely going to be the round that we're going to see what Jonathan's made of. Yeah, I think this is the round that we're going to see where the Kawasaki's 100% at and what Jonathan is, you know, what he's willing to risk this season towards uh, uh, that seventh uh, World Superbike title. Um, Just looking through where other people are in the standings. We'll go to another Brit, Scott Redding. It's been a rough start to the season, a bit like Jonathan, but a bit worse. Um, Scott's 14th in the standings. Jack, Scott Redding, Assen, a track, you know, GP, he's done it. British Superbikes, he's done it. World Superbikes as well. Um, what do you expect from Scott and the BM this weekend? Do you think a little bit of what we've had so far this season of a top 10 would be a good result? Or do you think hopefully his experience at Assen will, will change that? 
I generally have no idea. Because <laughs> that BM, it seems to be very feckle and stuff. But I think watching BSB, it's clear to see, to, in, my, in my mind, that the problem they're having is their ECU and their electronics probably isn't the strongest. I think that's the area they probably need to focus on the most because in, in a situation where the BMW's got the same electronics as everybody else, they're fighting for race wins and podiums. So I think that's definitely the area BMW need to focus on more than anything instead of trying to just chuck parts at it and pray it works. I think they need to do what Yamaha have done and dab into electronics and try and find things. But Aston, it's a, it's a great track for Scott in the past. He's podium there in GP. He podium there in world. He won him. He did the double at British. So, and you know he loved the perfect mark in Vandermark because he's had podiums. He's had pole positions at, at Assen, and he's he's his home round. He'll be wanted to do really well. So I think um, it should be a good round for BMW and Scott and Vandermark. But I just with Scott, I just don't know. I think if if we can start badly, I can't see him recovering. And if he gets, especially if he gets frustrated, I can't see. It going well, but hopefully he can stay, keep his head cool, clear, and try and get a top five if that's even possible. Is Loris Baz back this weekend? Because I think I may have, I may be wrong, but I think I saw something on social media where Baz was saying that he's going to try and give it a go at Assen, or his target was to be back for Assen. So if if he's back, then you know the four BMWs there. I'm not expecting much from Baz. Big injury he had at Mandalika. Gerloff has been back to the USA. He was at Cota on on a BMW doing some some laps before, some parade laps before the race. So hopefully he's going to be refreshed and in a new mindset. The BMWs are struggling. Jack, you've said it. I think you've summed it up well. No idea where BMW are going to be. They could show up for a race and get fifth and sixth. Or they could show up and get 15th. And that's... You're a bit like TPM. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 a really good way of putting it. Actually, they are a bit like the KTM of of World Superbikes, really, and it's just not been great. This new bike, you've said it as well, doing really well in BSB. You've got Josh Brooks performing on it, and then you've got Scott Redding, who beat Josh Brooks in British Superbikes, fourteenth in the World Superbikes Championship, and it's just something they're gonna have to sort out, and it may take them a while. Whether Scott has the patience to wait while they sort this out is another matter as well, or whether he jumps ship and looks at Kautazaki, for example, somewhere I could see him in the future. It's just not been great, really. But, you know, I think one name we know is going to be up there is Alvaro Bautista. And Jack, you've said it. They've got to hold him off. He's running away with it already at this point. Uh, there's only been one race this season that he hasn't won, and I've that was the super pole race at Mandalika and he crashed out in that. So it's <laughs> they do need to hold him back before this gets a bit ridiculous. Assen Dawn could Bautista to do the triple at Assen. Do you think that's that's something which will most likely happen, or do you think there will be a few ganging up on him to try and stop it? There'll be a few ganging up for sure, but I do think I personally think he's gonna win two out of three. And I think Top Rat's gonna win one as well this weekend. Yeah. They, they will be trying to rein him in, but like you say, if he gets his head down and he goes, he's gone. Yeah, it's it's really the thing of when he gets in the rhythm, a bit like how Jorge Lorenzo used to be in MotoGP. When he gets to the front, gets in his rhythm, he's gone. You're not stopping him. That's it. <laughs> it's 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 game over, as Lorenzo said at one point as well. Um, Jack, Dawn's just done her predictions for this weekend. Your three race winners for World Superbikes... Who do you think they're going to be? Uh, Bautista win race one and two, and then Tarprak will win the Super Bowl race. It's hard to disagree with you both. Um, I just check, I'll check the weather because I know Aston's notoriously bad for weather. Yeah, you do that, and if it's dry, <laughs> I'm going for a Bautista triple. That's where I'm going with. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. What what days? Dry. Right, it's dry on Friday. Yeah. It's going to rain, race, it's going to have a sprinkle of rain. Okay, it's, it doesn't know what it's going to do. Right. But there's a high chance of rain during the race one. There's always a high chance of rain. And then on <laughs> race day, it's looking like it's going to be raining all day. 
So I'm going to change that. Right, so that's my drive position. Mm-hmm. If it's yep. west, I'm going to go Jonathan Ray triple. <laughs> I was just thinking Jonathan's going to get one or two if it's wet. So you're going Jonathan Ray triple if it's wet. Right. Yeah. Dawn, if it's wet, and it probably will be at Assen, it might be at Assen. What, what are you expecting from, from Jonathan Ray especially or Bautista as well? I'll go a one win for Ray and two wins for Top Rack if it's Ooh. wet. Okay. Uh, top Rack, I started writing Bautista then. Um, I am going to go for if it's wet and it probably will. We thought Kota was going to be wet and it ended up being dry, so things can change. Um, I'm going to go Ray's going to win two. And I'm going to go different. Bautista's going to win one. There's going to be one race that Bautista will scrape a win in. But there you go. That's our predictions for if it's going to be wet and dry, because we know what Aston's like and what Europe is like at this time of year. Never knows what it wants to do. Um, We're on for an interesting weekend. We've got Brad Ray coming into the, the championship. We've got the British boys running there as well, with Lowe's as well. Um, Bautista's on a mission, it seems, this season. Locatelli's going well. That's one that we haven't mentioned. Got a podium there before in the past. Jack, do you see? He's got podiums at Mandalika and at Phillip Island. Do you see Locatelli challenging for podiums and maybe challenging for a race win or not? Um, well, we saw how much the pace increased last year, so that's that's the standard. Whether Andrea can get to that standard, I don't know, but uh, like, I can't remember how... In the wet, I think he's, he's a bit... It'll just be top five. So one person to keep an eye out of it is wet is Rinaldi because of his poor weather performance in Phillip Island and he'll be wanted to ride that and prove he's a good wet weather rider. And, you know, that might, this wet weather might have like Tom Sykes, BMWs, Petrucci, you know, it might help these guys. So just got to wait and see who, if it, does wet, if it is wet, who's the biggest beneficiary from all of this. And Bassani, Bassani yeah. as well. If it is wet, I could see Petrucci getting a podium. It's it's something that he's specialised in. Same with Tom Sykes, not a podium, but I could see him getting points. And that's really depressing to say. He can finish the race. Yeah, Tom Sykes could finish a race for the first time this season, and I will be happy. <laughs> he, he doesn't have to finish 15th, 16th place, I'll be happy. Just please get that bike across the line. Just whatever, run it across the line like Zarco did in Mizano that year. Just do whatever you have to do, Tom. Uh, it, it's been bad. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> um, yeah, other riders I'm looking out for. Remy Gardner has experience there from his GP days. Uh, Domi Agata as well knows it from Supersport, but I'm expecting big things from them. Uh, the Supersport class, we'll have a quick look at them before... Uh, calling it a day today on this um, if it wants to load there we are uh, Bouliger still leads the way both of your picks for the championship Manzi in second place my choice for the championship uh, do we think Bouliger's going to do really what he did at, at Phillip Island again a track that he knows well Jack what are you expecting from Bouliger this weekend yeah I expect a strong result there's one ride I think you need to keep an eye out is Glenn Van Stralen you'll be the rider to keep an eye out mm-hmm. on. Also, if it's wet, you know, John McPhee, Taz McKenzie, and Taz and the Patronus Yamaha, uh, Yamaha Hondas will be having upgrades to engine this this weekend. So hopefully mm-hmm. that will help Taz and Noridin to uh, start getting inside that top 10 and actually have a chance of being competitive. I'm glad you brought it up because I'd forgotten until then. This was the round where they have to do the upgrades. And have they confirmed that it's happening for this weekend? I don't know, but they've had six weeks, so there's no excuse why not. Exactly. So we're hoping this weekend, Taz McKenzie is going to be on a a proper world super sport bike and not pretty much a road bike that he, he sort of has been on these last couple races. Um, Dawn, Bouliger, what are you expecting from him? Sort of same performance as we've seen all season? Yes, definitely. I think it's going to be a strong round for him, definitely. Possibly three wins for him if not definitely he'll be on the podium uh quickly before we end today's episode we'll have a look at our predictions for world super sport we'll go for our two race winners dawn if it's if it's dry 
who do you think's going to win in World Super Sport? Uh, if it's dry, Bugalega. Both of them? Uh, or? Yeah, both mm-hmm. of them. Wet. Uh, I don't really know who's possibly going to be strong if it's wet. I'll go Mansi. It's, uh, for both of them or just? Yes, for both of them. Jack, who do you think for Super Sport if it is dry? I'll go with Belega and Van Stralen. Ooh. If it's wet, I'll go with Belega and John McPhee. A, a John McPhee race win if it's wet. Ooh. Why not? I'll, I like that. That's. I hope it can happen. Um, if it's dry, I am going to go with Manzi and Bulliger. I think we're going to get two different race. Well, different. We're going to get two race winners. Um, and if it's wet, I think Bulliger's going to win them both. If it's wet, I, I don't know why. Just I think Bulliger will be up there all weekend, wet or dry, and. That'll be how it goes. Uh, we'll have to see if uh, we do better in those predictions. Then uh, they're the ones we've done better on so far this season. The the World Superbike and Super Sport predictions have been, I guess you could say, easier than the the MotoGP, Moto2, and Moto3 predictions. But yeah, next week we'll see how we've done. We'll see how Brad Ray's done in his first weekend in Superbikes. It's an exciting weekend for Superbikes back at Assen for the Dutch round, their third round of the season. Dawn and Jack, thank you very much for joining me again. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, Yeah, thank you for joining us for episode nine. Join us next week for for episode 10, where you'll find out if we have done well or if our predictions have cursed some riders some more. Bye.